Efficiency Services Group partners with publicly owned electric utilities to deliver energy efficiency programs and services. ESG serves as an extension of energy services staff, bringing a wealth of skills and experience to provide direct install programs, customer care kits, field auditing and inspections, utility staff training, and reporting for Bonneville Power Administration customers and California utilities. Learn more about how ESG can benefit your energy efficiency organization at EfficiencyServicesGroup.com. That's EfficiencyServicesGroup.com. Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, Energy West listeners. I'm Jason Fordney, editor of California Energy Markets, with another episode of our Energy West podcast. Today is September 6th. Today we're going to be talking all things market, Western markets, RTOs, which is a big topic. I have invited our associate editor, Abigail Sawyer, on to speak with us today. How are you doing, Abigail? Doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. As you know, I just got back from two weeks of vacation and I picked the the week where most significant EDAM news may be dropped other than the FERC filing, but thank you for filling in, by the way. Oh, yeah. No, it's it my pleasure. It, you left me with, uh, you know, it, as it turns out, you left me with plenty of news. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> we were know. that, yeah, this, this happened because you took a vacation. So, it, of course, it triggered everything. <laughs> but uh, I was kind of sorry to miss, miss it. I'm not, that's how much of an energy nerd I am. I'm sitting on the beach in South Carolina going, man, <laughs> does it have to happen that week? But, <laughs> I <can't> you, really. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but the coverage was in the capable hands of yourself, Steve Ernst and Dan Catchpole. We had all hands on deck. So let's talk about uh, the main thing that you covered. That would be the August 30th forum held in Las Vegas, uh, really around all the topics for EDAM, which is the extended day ahead market. And let's lay the groundwork very briefly for this. The EDAM would be the extended day ahead market proposal that CAISO has filed with FERC recently and also uh, the day ahead market enhancement. So this is kind of two hand-in-hand processes. That day ahead market will be brought across the Western EIM, which covers vast majority of the West. And then you have the competing proposal from Southwest Power Pool, Markets Plus, uh, so well, obviously we've been covering this and discussed it before, um, but this forum, co- co-sponsored by NV Energy and some other utilities, looked like it had about 240 attendees. And what was your impression of it? Does it look like uh, this really moved the conversation forward, or how did, what do you think about that? Uh, well, I think it did. Um, the document that dropped the day before the forum. Uh, regarding a new governance initiative for a West-wide market really uh, drove the whole conversation in that direction, I would say. So that was really interesting. I mean, we had forum after forum and we got regulatory perspectives and utility CEO, executive, other executive perspectives. And that was terrific. But, um, you know, California 
the um, California Public Utilities Commission and other regulators across the West, namely uh, Letha Tani of the Oregon PUC, were really involved in um, taking the elephant in the room of governance, the issue mm-hmm. of governance for a Westwide potential Westwide RTO, and said, you know, we're we're actually going to do something about this. In fact, we actually already are. <laughs> so that that kind of changed everything. Um, Sure. It was fascinating. This is kind of unprecedented. As a little more background, there's been regionalization efforts for years happening in California to expand CAISO, but the west of the rest, a little skittish or very skittish about handing over governance to, you know, California governor appointed uh, people, although I guess that governance board would be different. But yeah, governance has really been the issue holding things back. Um, and this document is called the Westwide Governance Pathway Initiative. And this is what a coalition of um, Western Public Utility Commissioners, uh, Oregon, Washington, California, Arizona, and New Mexico. And you cover Arizona and New Mexico. I do. Yeah. So, you know. Also, the, so the original letter that um, was sent July 14th included those states. But uh, importantly, by the time they, they dropped this open invitation, if you will. It seems like it's an invitation to get on board to uh, other regulators um, and, and, you know, interested parties in the West. Uh, They added Colorado and Nevada to to the list. And and those states, which I also cover, uh, are the two states in the West that are legislatively mandated by legislation passed in 2019 to uh, join an RTO by 2030. So, right. you know, they're, they're definitely bringing a certain kind of gravity to the issue um, because they they are they will have to make a decision. And governance has been a sticking point for them and for, you know, pretty much every state outside of California, I think. So that, that was interesting. Yeah. And so their objective here with this new initiative Let's see, here's a quote. Quote, could also act as a vessel for delivering a Westwide fully organized market with governance shared across all states, unquote, including California. And as you mentioned, recently expanded. That's that's pretty big, you know, especially when you, well, Arizona and New Mexico were already involved, but kind of ideological opposites to California in a lot of ways and a lot of mistrust we see from the ACC over there. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. So do you see this uh, tone or atmosphere changing a little bit here? I mean, we're seeing much more collaboration, right? It seems like it. And, you know, one thing that was interesting, their uh, representation at the forum um, from Arizona, it included uh, a relatively new regulator from the ACC, Kevin Thompson, who was just voted in last November. And then also on a separate forum, uh, a executive from APS um, who is in charge of operations, Mm -hmm. Jacob Tetlow, Jacob Tetlow of APS. So it was very interesting really to hear from Mr. Tetlow about his perspective and, uh, you know, his experience involved with the EIM and how much that has brought benefits to APS customers 
and to the state and that, you know, they're really excited about the EDAM bringing even more uh, benefits. And, you know, he really piped up and was able to say, you know, they've, they've addressed the governance issue here. And, you know, what that is starting to make, taking a hard look at a RTO that, it, you know, is born out of, if you will, you know, the evolves from the EDAM a little more appealing. Um, so that will be something to watch because they've been very clear in times past at ACC meetings and elsewhere, you know, across not just APS, but other utilities in the state, you know, we're, we're not that interested in the governance proposals that um, come out of CAISO, but, and they seem to be finding the markets plus option a lot more appealing. And so, you know, if right. people are expecting EDAM to turn into a full RTO, then, you know, having, having a pathway to a governance that is a little more palatable to other parties is certainly a game changer. And, you know, being able to include California, you know, with its 53 gigawatt load is is probably, you know, really, really critical when you're talking about bringing the benefits. Yeah. There's just so much, so much happening in California. such a big part of the West that you know, SPP, the markets plus probably would not include California. Um, maybe there's a chance for two different RTOs here or, I mean. Well, I mean, I think there could be. And we certainly see that, you know, on the eastern half of the U.S., right? Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. we see multiple. How many How many do we have in the eastern interconnection? Um, we got PJM. Yeah. Uh, NYSO. Yeah. Um, yeah, New, but, New England ISO. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so, but there are a lot more people out there too. So you know, the population density is is much thicker. There's, you know, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I'm no, I'm not an Eastern U.S. energy expert mm-hmm. <laughs> by comparison with what I know about the West. But I'm, you know, I'm sure there are a lot more lines and a, a lot more generation resources, you know, centralized and everything that are that are happening. And yeah, know, every ISO, every RTO over there is going to have a little more to do. Um, but we mm-hmm. have this vast expanses and we have, you know, such tremendous opportunities in terms of solar and wind in the Western U.S., um, the wide swaths of land, lots of sunny weather, uh, lots of, you know, not a lot, lots of wide open land, meaning, you know, fewer, fewer population centers and more room to, you know, stretch transmission lines, if you will, or what, however it's going to work out. Um, it's it's going to take some, that's going to certainly take some figuring. Um, folks, folks didn't shy away from talking about the problems of permitting transmission, um, you know, in the elsewhere. Yeah, that's certainly a big one. But I think being able to have a, a West-wide RTO is appealing to anyone who wants to participate. So, you know, you know, not having California would just not be as beneficial. No. I I think folks want to find a way to have it all. Yeah. Exciting. It's very interesting to watch this sort of race between SPP and CAISO and all the different factors that are in play. I see some quotes here from Alice Bushing Reynolds from the California PUC. The idea behind the letter was really, let's talk about a concept that takes the CAISO governance problem off the table. We're going to have independent governance, and let's think about that. 
what that needs to look like, what an entity needs to look like, how we can build this so there's an entity to provide the full range of options for regional cooperation, et cetera. Of course, she was former advisor, energy advisor to Governor Gavin Newsom, probably has his ear on this. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, that doesn't mean that the California entities are going to be happy. That's traditionally been labor unions in California mm. that want their jobs to stay in state and then environmental groups. And I, I predict, you know, there's been some hubbub from them before when California goes partnering with other states in the West. So in independent governance, will people see this as California handing over some of its energy planning and its priorities? Mm-hmm. Will they be diluted? That's a valid question because if you, you have a mixed governance, California is going to have a less of a role. Right now it's just one unilateral, you know, juggernaut. <laughs> right. You've got Kaiso, you've got the Kaiso board appointed by the governor uh, and the PUC all in lockstep with many different things. And then when you bring in a state like Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, how will that work? But uh, yeah, governance still, I, I guess, pushing Reynolds here saying this will this will take care of that. Um, and then, you know, the technical integration is going to be massive here too. Oh yeah, certainly. And she said, you know, the regulator said, we'll be working on that <laughs> as yeah. we unroll dam, and, and we're, we're going to address the tech while we build this governance body. And, you know, I, th- I think, as you say, you know, California would be giving something up yes, as it stands. However, you know, they want the benefit that could come from the tremendous wind resources in Colorado and New Mexico and, you know, Wyoming even. Right. Um, so they'll get something out of it. And I think it's just really interesting that what California is often in, you know, not just in energy, but in policy generally, you know, can has the reputation uh, deservedly. So for leading the nation on a lot of changes and, you know, we just, we have so many people and a Mm -hmm. lot of influence in the media and, you know, elsewhere. So it's, it's interesting to see an issue that actually brings California to a place where compromise is in its better interest, it would seem. So that's something that's going on. And, you know, these other states definitely have something to say and they have some really good points to be made. Um, and they have made some of them and, and, and reiterated them with regard to the EIM. You know, um, Nevada talked, you know, Nevada folks, um, Doug Cannon of NB Energy, spoke pretty candidly about the frustration with the wheel through policies, which have not been popular. Um, He also had some great things to say about Kaiso's responsiveness to its uh, resource efficiency test, um, you know, that Kaiso was willing to change so that folks could continue to trade even if they didn't meet that test. So, you know, California's shown itself to be a flexible enough partner in this regard, but, you know, it there are still issues out there uh, that need to be addressed if we're going to make the most of this bigger endeavor. Right. And, uh, you know, that it was definitely a, an interesting conversation time and again. And Elliot Mainzer, of, you know, CEO of Kaiso, um, said, 
that with the EDAM and, you know, even moving further toward an RTO eventually, um, a lot of the concerns now would really be eliminated because, you know, we'll, we, especially in an RTO, the transmission would be governed by, you know, it would be given over to the, to the greater, greater good, if you will. And therefore there won't be so many issues to address. There won't be the seams that are, you know, that you have to negotiate Mm -hmm. um, between these things. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah. And I, there's always been a recognition that operationally this is going to help. I remember back 2019 when, um, or was that 2018? The years are running together. But uh, I guess it was 2018. When the regionalization bill fa- failed, like Steve Berberich, who was CEO of Kaiso at the time, he was visibly angry. He was just mm-hmm. basically threw his hands up like, we, we can't, you, this has to happen, you know? And and that's because of the, the resources that we need after sundown and, uh, you know, the retirement issue. Mm-hmm. So a lot of thorny problems in California. And, you know, if you take PJM, that's 13 states. Wow. MISO is, is something similar. So their, their uh, initiative, their policymaking process is just a madhouse. And yeah. lots of controversy, lots of battling. You know, it's, these are all different states with different PUCs and legislatures. So that will be something that California will have to get used to. <laughs> As it is, they're very nimble. I mean, you can, it's amazing how quickly Kaiso can thr- push through an initiative like EDAM. So, yeah, this would change everything. Um, and every state looking to not lose anything from this. But, you know, will there have to be compromises? I don't know. Will, will California have to start importing fossil resources, um, you know, more than they already are or? How will that work? And you mentioned the wheel through issue. That's when Kaiso basically said, we're tying up too much of our transmission with wheel throughs. We need to make priority for in-state load uh, really through a monkey wrench into the other states. They didn't like it. From what I've heard, it hasn't created massive issues, but they certainly did not like that. And um, yeah, that'd be the kind of things I have to hash out here. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think they don't like it on principle, but it hasn't created the kind of problems that uh, folks feared. Right, it seems to me that you know, and I can understand not liking it on principle too. So, yeah, um, you know, this is like this is why I got into this. You know, why are you sure. saying I can't play? But uh, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, as you say, you know, would, would California end up having to import more fossil resources? And that's definitely an interesting question, especially as those fossil resources across the West are continuing to retire, even, you know, really pro fossil states, you know, they're just not economic to run them anymore for the most part. And the dependence on, you know, commodity markets for fuel has really, you know, been, there's been a lot of backlash because of that, you know, energy bills spiked and that just to most end consumers, they blame the utilities for one thing. (laughs) for All sure. they see, they're not following the commodity markets necessarily and seeing that it was the you know direct pass through of natural gas prices that spiked. They just saw that their utility went up a crazy amount and yeah. at a time where they were really needing it just to keep their homes and businesses warmer, you know. 
So yep. it's, it's tricky stuff. And, uh, you know, that, that makes moving toward renewables more appealing from an economic standpoint as well. So it's happening. Yeah. Every resource has its pluses and minuses. I, I do know during the blackouts that we had in California, a lot of the gas units were taken offline because they couldn't run because of the heat. Wow. So the idea that these plants are immune to weather, it's not, <laughs> and then you have the opposite problem in Texas with the freeze ups. Right. So, yeah. Every resource has its pluses and minuses. And, um, Certainly. Yeah. And it, it's a change is always tough to get used to. I mean, I, I think to myself, you know, taking a bit of a left turn here, but you know, when you, we, Think about range anxiety with electric vehicles. Um, I imagine that 100 years ago, folks setting off on a road trip in a, in a newfangled automobile were pretty nervous about making it to the next gas station, too. So, right. you know, we, we have to adapt. To that, that's how things are. So Absolutely. And, and I then, never have that concern now, unless I, you know, unless it's my fault, you know, there's yeah. always room in my tank, unless I didn't fill up when I should have, um, <laughs> you know, I'm not right. at risk of running out of gas. And I have made many long road trips across the Western U.S. So never, yeah, never on my mind. So that's where we're nice. at. <laughs> um, one point I saw made here that some people are afraid of their investments that they put in the the EIM would be lost if this moves forward. Did you look into that very much? Or? Um, yes, you're, you're, um, I'm trying to recall this whole line of thinking. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah. But I remember that was real. That was really interesting. It was like, uh, I, I, what I'm recalling is more like if we don't, you know, if we jump into the EDAM, um, and we make those investments. We've made investments in the EIM and we'll make more moving into the EDAM. And if, if we don't think we're going to be ready to jump into an RTO, uh, that, you know, would be the next step, you know, that this EDAM could evolve into, then why should we invest in the EDAM now? That was, that was kind of the, the thinking as, as I followed it. So it's like, you know, we want to know that this governance is headed in a direction that we find tolerable because yeah. we might not want to get into the EDAM if it's not. For sure. Yeah. It's so looking ahead, they're talking about phase one for this new effort. That would be the Western governance pathway initiative. Um, what do we see happening next? It says in our coverage here, phase one process, we'll decide on the form, mission, and scope of the entity with an independent westwide governance and produce a charter to guide the operations. Also include a timeline, identify founding board members, and establish a new nonprofit. So they're serious. They're really... They are serious. They're, they're doing this. Um, They've enlisted uh, staff from the uh, Regulatory Assistance Project already. They have two folks helping out with that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're planning to seat board members in early 2024. So, Carl Linville and Jennifer Gardner, both formerly of the WEEM, or I guess we're calling it the WEEM. The WEEM, the WIME. The <laughs> <laughs> governing body. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, I'm wondering what's the legislature's role here? Does this require legislation for this to happen? I, I'm not seeing that here. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah. And I think it's one that's on a lot of folks' minds. And, um, you know, we, we weren't able to, to dive in as much, but, you know, um, when, I mean, the legislature is looking at, when, when, when is the final day of the legislature for the, the session? Mm, I would have to look. Okay. Well, it's coming up soon. <laughs> yes. In the fall. <laughs> this is, this yeah. Time, you know, so, um, yeah, it's, I imagine it's, going to raise that issue again right you know the, the issue of regionalization and what needs to happen sure. and where we're going with this so um, all eyes on sacramento yep from here on out for sure you know another interesting thing that you know really came out of of the forum as well just and, and had a a little less focus on the governance issue was simply the the brattle report that was introduced publicly for the right. first time. And, you know, they really um, were, they modeled the benefits of a Westwide RTO only including the, you know, the sponsors of the study, those who um, commissioned Brattle to do the study, which included Pacificor and BPA and, uh, and Kaiso. And I think there were five. Anyway, we, we wrote about it, um, refer to the article, but it's like Idaho Power Bank. Idaho Power and Bank, yes, that sounds like right, yeah. yeah. So an LADWP, yeah. So anyway, that's a that's a limited group of participants. Um, mm-hmm. An actual EDAM market would would be larger, therefore the benefits would be greater. Right. And you know, as um, Mr. Sulakis of Brattle reiterated uh, numerous times. Um, the sorry. Oh, he was at the forum. It looks like. Yeah, he presented. He presented the report at the forum, and he said, "You know, we we did all this for the EIM as well, the Weem. Okay. <laughs> we we did this then, and you know, folks, the benefits were bigger than we could model. You know, in reality, the benefits were bigger and came faster, and so we got more folks joining more quickly, and we should expect the same thing." Uh, moreover, there's no way to model some of the biggest benefits, which are those things that happen on the fly, you know, when suddenly a generator, a generation resource, you know, um, malfunctions and is taken offline. That's when the market, your ability to rely on the market really shines, you know, these kinds of things that you can't model. They're just looking at, you know, uh, time of day when, when the sun sets and when the solar goes off and, you know, what capacity is in which area, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but those those issues when a transmission line goes down because of a disaster or a generation resource is knocked off or whatever that's that's really where the benefit comes in and that's where those and the you know the massive benefits come from and you can't even model that so uh, the bigger and the bigger it is the bigger footprint you have the more benefits you get and you know if you can create a pathway to making more people happy to to play in that sandbox then I think yeah have a happier time. You've heard of too big to fail. This is too big to model. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> 2.4 terawatt hour reduction in renewable generation curtailments. I guess that's per year. Yeah. A lot of efficiencies to be gained. I think everybody realizes this, but yeah, we have coverage of that Brattle study as well as the forum and the letter in uh, Friday's edition of CEM. You can get two free reads on our website. So, any more takeaways from the forum? Um, 
I don't think so. Not, you know, I mean, you can get into the nitty gritty um, and it'll be, it'll be really fun as folks process this, what the reactions are and, you know, across the West really. Absolutely. And um, we've got a good handle on the issues here at News Data. You can read more of our coverage on newsdata.com. We're also on Twitter, the platform (laughs) formerly known as Twitter, at CEM News Data. I'm on there at Fordney Energy. And uh, you're not really on Twitter too much these days, are you, Abigail? No, not that much. You never know when I might get a go to wild hair to to tweet a little more frequently, but I am Energy Abigail. (laughs) Well, Energy underscore Abigail. They say if you're off Twitter for a day, you miss everything. And if you're off for a month, you miss nothing. (laughs) Keep that in mind. (laughs) There you go. Well, thanks very much, Abigail. Interesting stuff. And thank you for sharing your knowledge of this new initiative. Sure. All right. Yeah, good. We'll talk to you soon. All right. You too. Thanks. Bye.